Hello and welcome to the Digital Free Thought Radio Hour on WOZO Radio 103.9 LPFM here in Knoxville, Tennessee. We're recording this on Sunday morning, December 12th, 2021. I'm Larry Rhodes or Doubter 5. And as usual, we have our co-host Wombat on the line with us. Hello, Wombat. Wombat? It's Dr. Wombat. Quit generalizing. (laughs) (laughs) It is. It is. Our guests today are George Brown, the two and a half, originally from Brooklyn, now residing in Tennessee. Hello. Hello. We have Dread Pirate Higgs from his car office. (laughs) He's he's working this morning, but trying to join us. Uh, Glad you could be with us there, Dread. Very nice. Uh, Digital Free Thought Radio Hour is a talk radio show about atheism, free thought, rational thought, humanism, and the sciences. And conversely, we'll also talk about religion, religious faiths, gods, holy books, and superstition. And if you think you're the only non-believer in your town, well, you're just not. In Knoxville, we have a group of over a thousand of us, and we'll tell you more about how you can join that group or at least meet with them after the mid-show break. Well, where are we going to be talking about today? We're talking about overgeneralizations today, and we're going to get really heady into this topic. I'm so excited to get into this. I'm happy I'm hanging out with you guys this morning. But before we get into the meat and potatoes, or should I say the noodles, we'll throw it up to our own <laughs> Dread Pirate Heggs for our weekly invocation. Ah, our noodly lord, who art in a colander, El Dante be thy noodles. Thy blood be rum, thy sauce be yum with wheat as it is with vegetables. Give us this day our garlic bread and forgive us our cussing as we forgive those who cuss against us and lead us not into ketoism, but deliver us some carbs. For thine are the meatballs and the sauce and the grog whenever and ever. There was some really, really good slow down emphasis yes, thank you like the internet is working for your time period on that. it was great wonderful george brown second and a half okay let's just do a quick rundown uh dread pirate are you allowed <laughs> to talk about where you are right now because it's a very interesting story if it's a no that's fine okay well, george, i don't know if it's all that interesting we're shooting a movie called uh, we're, we're shooting a movie called monster high and it's uh, it's a live version of a, a popular child's uh, cartoon. Nice. So, um, I'm just on set here. Well, no offense, no offense, Jed, but I, I think you're past the days of playing a high school student. <laughs> <laughs> hey, don't let don't let uh, like Tom Holland hear you say that because you know it's been going around. I it's been a while since I've seen. Uh, I don't think I'll be shooting today though, because uh, it's. Uh, I think his phone had a stroke. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> That's fine. It's fine. We're yeah. used to our own swarthy captain. Larry Rose, how you been? I want to check in on you. How you oh, doing? I'm doing just fine. You know, um, 
staying safe, staying healthy, uh, working day to day. So cool. Very good. Yeah. I'm glad you like the work life. Um, yeah, I, do. I just, I just had an extended break. Uh, it was my birthday last week. So happy birthday to me. But happy also, birthday. thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I had this really, really interesting situation where um, I was looking at like all my birthdays and they just all felt the same to me. I was just like, ah, there's no difference. Nothing special, nothing up and down. It's all the same. And then I read in a book, you shouldn't generalize. And so I was like, don't generalize. <laughs> Let me throw it up to George Brown. Tell us why we should or shouldn't generalize. What's this story about? Well, um, I was thinking one day, here's how I came up with this topic. Um, I was thinking one day about animals. You know, it just the, the thoughts came to me that if a human being mistreats a puppy, a little dog, that will form an imprint in the mind of the puppy. And if another human being comes along <clears throat> and mistreats that same puppy, the dog will now generalize that all humans are not to be trusted. And the dog is going to go through life with this, uh, with this predisposition unless the dog is, is uh, counter-trained against this, which is going to take a bit of work to do. And, and it occurred to me, well, are we any different than that little puppy? And it came to me that this is at the foundation, this tendency. We are not different than that puppy. And, um, and in fact, we form generalizations. We need to do it. We need to generalize. It's the way we make sense of the world. And for survival, going back thousands of years. Very true. Okay, survival. And so this is at the root of things like prejudice, racism, you name it. Yeah. Um, anyway, those are the thoughts that came to me. So I thought I would bring this to, to us as a group and just bat this around and see I, if it makes I, sense. Let's throw this up. Larry, I think you were touching on something really important, that generalization on the good side, we'll start with the pros, does have a lot of benefits, particularly for a survival sense. What do you mean by that? Well, if you're uh, if you get bit by a snake back like <laughs> 3,000, 5,000 years ago when we were evolving our, our sense of safety and security, well, then you would tend to, if it didn't kill you, you would tend to generalize, you know, that other snakes were dangerous as well. Uh, so you would avoid them and that would help your chances of, of survival. There's just, actually a, a really cool evolutionary trait where some species who aren't poisonous will mimic poisonous uh -huh. species and just bait wholly on the idea of if I look like that thing, you yeah. will leave me alone because you've generalized that that thing is dangerous and not right. worth eating. And, and it's, it's not a conscious decision on the other predator. I mean, the other um, organism either. It's just... If they happen to look a little bit like the, the dangerous predator, uh, then the the prey, the other organisms around them will leave them alone. And the right. more they happen to, by happen chance and, and uh, mutation and evolution, to become more and more toward that, uh, look more like that, the more that the other people or other things will leave them alone. The predators will. Yeah. So, uh, George Brown won't touch them back on you. Yeah, and 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 what following up on what Larry just said is that the predator understands that the prey is making that generalization. 
So he's got the prey psyched out. That's pretty sophisticated. I I don't think so. I think it's the other way around. Yeah, I think it's the other way around. Dread, what do you think? Yeah, no, there isn't any uh, conscious sort of appreciation of what's going on there on behalf of either the predator or the prey. It's just, um, you know, it's evolution that is, uh, you know, uh, eventually favored uh, these uh, either defenses. Uh, Moths are like this. There are some species of moths, for instance, that uh, have markings uh, similar to other moths, which are poison uh, when ingested. So, uh, but they're not conscious. I mean, they don't have any awareness they look like another you got the sentence out not yeah. that larry what's up <laughs> well, no, i'd say the uh, the predator would be so guilty of generalization not, yeah not like um like uh, Dread, we're having a little bit of trouble getting getting you all out, so I'm going to give you a chance yeah, to reset. It's, but it's dragging I, your voice out. But I think long. we have an interesting um, spread here because George Brown, you say that it's conscious thought on both. No, parties. no, I, I didn't say I didn't say it was conscious. Or it, I'm agreeing. I'm agreeing with Dread Pirate. That, okay, that, well, I'm also disagreeing with Dread Pirate. <laughs> Dread Pirate <laughs> okay. saying there's proof that neither side is conscious, and we don't have conscious meters yet. So it's it's that's a powerful argument to make. And Larry, you're saying that the predator is the one that's being guilty. Right, of he's audition. conscious of the decision that yes. he, you know he, yes. this caused me trouble, so I'm going to generalize to this one, so I'll avoid yeah. it. And know? I feel like that's closest to the the objective matters. It's like if I'm a moth and I have wings that look like yeah. eyes, right, uh-huh. and I spread them out. And a thing that's about to eat me is like, oh, I don't want to eat anything that's got eyes. It's like, I know I don't have like the moth doesn't know what's going on. The moth is just doing maybe what it's always doing camouflage wise. And if it didn't look like eyes, it would get eaten. And the ones that look closer and closer, like eyes survive. But the predator is making a conscious decision of like, oh, that's a threat. Don't want to deal with it. I'll go eat something else. And I feel like, ooh. So in survival, in in some instances of survival, there could be examples of that. And I think maybe in a in a more human way but like culturally we are quick to know whose threats who's in our tribe and who isn't in our tribe oh they have blue leather they're they're they they're that's they're outsiders they have red leather they're they're with us like those those quick decisions uniforms heck uniforms uh serve that purpose yeah 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 just those quick decisions of like are you with us are you against us yeah you know but another point about how uh, evolution works to um make make things that seem to be created there uh, in uh, the original cosmos with carl sagan he made a point about crabs samurai crabs have you heard that or seen that um there's a, a crab uh, in in the japanese sea where they the fishermen will go out and catch them with with nets and there's a if you catch the samurai crab you'll look at the back of it the carapace and it looks like a, uh, the angry face of a samurai warrior what okay yeah. And the, the thing about it is, this has been going on for hundreds of years. And what's, what happens is, if, if a, a fisherman pulls one up and he looks at the carapace and it looks like somewhat like a, a samurai warrior, you know, he'll throw it back. Hmm. And if it doesn't, you know, he'll eat it and it will die. But the ones that he throws back uh, carry the gene to carry that same pattern on their back and they oh. will mutate 
you know, to be more and more like that. Why? Because they kept being thrown back. They live where the other ones die. So now oh, if, wow. you know, if they catch that particular type of crab, most, most of the carapaces look like the angry face of a samurai warrior. Well, there you go. Isn't that crazy? You know, I also found, I want to throw up my hat. I think generalization is very good when it comes in like the field of medicine. And a lot of statistics, a lot of math is based on generalizing data, a lot of different inputs. And you have to find trends so that you can help like the, the most general population. And when they come out with like prescriptions for, or, or medicine dosages for like aspirin or vaccines or like anything in that nature, uh, those models are based off of generalized data where you have a bell curve where it's like for this number of people, we found this to be effective. And we can confidently say that this medicine has an effect on this number of people based on our placebo blind, double blind studies, et cetera. I feel like there are a lot of examples where generalization has value. George, one more point. What's up? Yeah. Uh, I'd like to bring this back to um, our, our personal experiences okay. uh, and give an example um, in fact, I think I generalize constantly. I'm, when I make decisions on the basis of generalizations, uh, for instance, here's an example. Uh, when I used to drive to my radio job in Springfield, Massachusetts, I, I drove three and a half hours each way to get to work. And Hey, stop. You drove three and a half hours back and forth. Was it through Every the snow? Day. Did you have a backpack on? No, no. I, I, I worked. <laughs> I ran the station on weekends. Oh, okay. So I was living in New York City and driving up to Springfield, Massachusetts, putting in my weekend on the air. Uh, I actually, this station was in a hotel and I got a free hotel room as part of my miserable pay. And <laughs> so I spent the weekend in Springfield and then went back to New York uh, for the week. Uh, so anyway, I would be driving a lot on the freeway, and I noticed, here I'm generalizing, that drivers with Massachusetts license plates tended to be pretty wild on the road. And uh, Rhode Island, the same thing. And so I, I re responded that, like, if I was passed by somebody going over the speed limit with a Massachusetts license plate, for instance, I would back off instinctively and give him a lot of room on the road. Just don't don't mess with that guy. You know, that's my generalization. I want to throw something on top of that, because this is where we start to tread into generalizations actually being sort of a dangerous thing. And yes, my example is when until I moved here to this town that I'm in. I thought nothing of uh, particular trends in cars and driving poorly, but it wasn't until I got here that almost every single time I almost got in an accident or some car almost cut me off or something, you know, didn't let me get into an exit way. It was a Nissan Altima. And I'm like, Nissan Altimas are like the bane of my existence. Cause whenever I see one driving near me, it's always a problem with that car. There's always going to do something. And I didn't realize that it was just because I lived next to a Nissan plant. There's like three big ones around here and the most common car on the streets, you can count it, are all Nissan cars. And the most affordable one is an Ultima, right? It's the base model. And so every single time there was a problem on the road, the chance of it being a Nissan Ultima, because I, I have a great yeah. back at home, it's a Nissan Ultima. And so it's not the fact that people driving Nissan Ultimas are the problem, though I have generalized that. I have consciously in my head, even up today, 
I'll see Nissan Altima. I'm like, that's a terrible driver right there. That's a bad driver. And that's, I think, where we start to get into troubles with generalizations because they can be largely misinformed and they can control how I feel sure. about things without. Uh, especially, especially if you have other people feeding into that. Mm-hmm. Like if you have yes. friends that, that have noticed the same thing and start reinforcing your, your problem with it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, you got a problem with these cars. I got a problem with these cars. Let's start a yeah. club. And next yeah. thing you know, yeah. you guys got yeah. hats and you started yeah. a religion. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then one guy's like, we shouldn't eat yeah. bacon. And next thing you know, it's like, yeah. we should put yeah. this in a book. Uh, what makes my, what makes my observation on the freeway uh, even more uh, puzzling is, is that, the insurance companies back up my generalizations mm. so that the insurance rates for the state of Massachusetts are through the roof. Mm. Traditionally, they do have bad drivers in Massachusetts. It's not just my imagination, you know. So I actually do think there could be some merit to the idea of how not all religions, but certain ones pop up because you have to have people on board, right? Like the religion has sure. to not only solve some mysteries, but also it benefits a lot of them do when they have an us versus them mentality and you're in the us group because that has some sort of uniformity and you feel like there's less threats around you because there's a sense of community. So like when you have a religion, I've seen in like Christianity, it's like we're here and the Hebrews are over there or like we're the chosen Hebrews, but they're the the Philistines. Yeah, we hate the well, You can see that even in sports teams. I mean, it's, oh, just, it's not just gosh. religion. It's you know, it's all over. The us versus them mentality. Yeah, yeah. And I think it, it it cruxes on generalizations because if you were to give any sort of critical thought to the moment, you'd clearly see that in both groups of people, there's enough diversity if if you're willing to look for it, where the the commonalities are outweigh the the severe differences that are being lauded as like the main important thing. And I feel like that's what's really hard with the generalize generalized outlook. Dread, you have anything you want to weigh on this? Sure. Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah, I can hear you just fine. Okay. I actually, I changed my, uh, my Wi-Fi over to my phone. It's not Wi-Fi. It's Bluetooth now. So it should be a better connection. Okay. Um, is, is it dragging sounding good? No, you're, you're, great. you're good. You great. It'll only okay. start dragging once you start making a really important point. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I was in speaking generally about generalization. Uh, it <laughs> always brings me, it brings me back to uh, Daniel Kahneman's uh, thinking fast and slow. Yes. Where generalizations tend to be uh, uh, the result of a necessity for fast thinking. So right. if a breeze is blowing through the grasses, do you assume it's the wind or do you assume it's a lion uh, waiting to pounce? So, you know, generally speaking, if you, you know, go with the lion, uh, you're, your odds of survival in circumstances where it is a lion and not the wind, um, your your chances of survival are greatly enhanced, and and that really, you know, sort of supporting the idea that generalization is um, something that we do uh, in fast thinking, mm. in slow thinking. We can be a little more reflective, a little more discerning, and. Uh, t- greater care in trying to figure out with uh if what we're uh, what we're looking at is is a general a general thing specific thing 
right? Only at the expense of time and some energy, yes. right? Whereas with this fast thinking, you you get results quickly, but they could be completely wrong. They can be completely mm-hmm. misinformed. And so what I'm left with is two different standards of thought. And I want to make sure I'm using the most appropriate standard for coming to the right, for answering the right question. And when it comes to like matters of like culture and people and, and more complex issues, I want to have slow thinking as my main motivator. But for like, hey, is that fire in my kitchen? <laughs> mm-hmm. I want the fast thinking in my head. So like, I'm not saying either is bad. I'm just saying let's use them in their most appropriate format. And I find like, if you look at some of the issues we have with culture today, and just be aware of the shortcomings when you do use it. Yes. And, and, and we'll be aware of the work that needs to be put into refining it, even when you have it. Um, But yeah, I feel like a lot of shortcomings with the cultures that we have today, polarization, politicization of a lot of things, culture, um, um, uh, lack of diversity, in a lot of issues, um it's a it's a question of are we thinking about this slowly or are we thinking about it quickly and and overgeneralizing and are we willing to appreciate some nuances uh let's see larry you said software what's up oh oh you had typed in in the notes higher standards of software yeah uh, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> that got me thinking so, software that's ai application and <laughs> yeah yeah so i want i want to throw out this one point i feel like as human beings we were evolving with the same sort of firmware software that everyone all the other animals uh-huh. and organisms were working with was just quick thinking reaction instincts dna you know evolution trial and error figure out what happens if it dies that's fine we'll have more babies and they'll figure it out maybe right as we've evolved both physically and culturally, we have access to higher standards of thinking, better brains, yet we still rely on these outdated processes to determine true things from false things. And so what I've said was we should be willing to recognize that we have a higher standard of software available for us, for our brains, if you want to think about it like that. And we should be more reliant on that software more often and being willing to feed it with more information so that we can come up with better conclusions and, and ideas as a culture. George Brown, what's up? Well, I, I want to go back to um, uh, something I mentioned earlier, which is that generalizations and, you know, what, what Larry, Larry immediately jumped in with, um, the us versus them hmm. mentality that that is so pervasive, I think, in throughout our human cultures, really around the world, leads toward in groups and out groups sure. and identifiable people uh, as members of the out group who are then deemed to be worthy of persecution. And, right. and so this is the basis of, of things like, you know, racism, for instance, and um, um, as, as hopefully better evolved people, what do we do about this? You know, that, that was the next question on my mind. But we don't have to go there necessarily. I, I, I just think the, um, the one thing I'd like for us to discuss is is the demonization of the outgroup on the basis of generalization. If we can do that. Absolutely. Cool. Hey, we're getting towards the bottom of the hour. Do you have any final thoughts on generalization or uh, conclusions, George? Uh, No, I said it. I just said it already. Works for me. Works for me. 
Yeah. Larry, why don't you take us out for the half? Sure. This is the Digital Free Thought Radio Hour. We're on WOZO Radio 103.9 PFM, right here in Knoxville, Tennessee. And we'll be right back after this short break.
everyone. Welcome back to the second half of the Digital Free Thought Radio Hour. I'm Doubter Five, and we're on WOZO Radio 103.9 LPFM right here in Knoxville, Tennessee. Now, let's talk about the Atheist Society of Knoxville. ASK was founded in 2002, when our 19th year, and they have over a thousand members. And we have weekly in person meetings in the Knoxville Old City at Barley's Taproom and Pizzeria. Come down and join us. Look for us out on the patio. If you'd like to join our Tuesday evening Zoom meeting, so you don't live in Knoxville, you can. Just email us at Knoxville, I'm sorry, at askanatheist at knoxvilleatheist.org or letschatse at gmail.com. You can also find us online at face, on Facebook, meetup.com, or go to knoxvilleatheist.org. Or just Google Knoxville Atheists. It's that simple. Also, if you don't live in Knoxville, you should still go to Meetup and do a search for an atheist group in your town. Don't find one? Start one. Start one. Start one. Wombat, where do you want to pick up? So we were talking about parties, right? You know, guys know that favorite part of every party, you know, when everyone's gathered around and they're enjoying everyone's time. And then the person who's running the party passes around a hat and you're supposed to put money in the hat. Because if you're going to have a fun time at the party, you got to give money to the guy who, who's throwing the party. But it's not for him. It's for the God of parties, because the God of parties needs <laughs> needs to know that he has some money in the side, too. It's a sign of respect. And you're just doing it in front of all your peers. So it's not pressure or anything like that. But I love that part of the party. Does everybody love that part of the party? Oh, oh sure. <laughs> not. So I bring I extra money just for it. <laughs> you know the weirdest thing now is it's so bizarre when i see that happen at a church setting because we're going to get to the point where cash is not as common of a thing anymore and it, they may start passing around like a phone swiper and you know it's just like when that happens it's going to be really crazy yeah. Yeah, it's like hey here's tap, a vento qr code yeah tap good God. way yeah, but yeah. I don't know if I can handle it. Good way to lose your phone. <laughs> but but it does raise the interesting question about why does God need money? And I, and, I, and I will throw this out. A lot of the, the most common common sensical answer is well, you gotta keep the lights on. It's a it's a Christian business or it's a Christian place. They need to pay money. They aren't paying taxes, but you need to be able to pay money to keep certain things functional. And and on the flip side, it's like, but if this is God's work. And this is for God. You would imagine God would have a system in place where you wouldn't need that money in the first place, right? It's like, well, no, 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 no. Ty, Ty, you're so silly. You're a little atheist. Of course we need money. It's like, but why? And so this is why I'll ask the question for Larry. Maybe I'll lead with you. Like, why do, why does God want our money? Well, he doesn't, he doesn't exist. Of course, humans need money. And what's funny is that, uh, when the church needs help, you know, with the lights or whatever, they come to you. They ask mm. you for money. They have mm. to have money, and, and it's for worldly things like lights and heat and pay and cars and and Insurance. jets and whatever. And new but Cadillacs. whenever you need money, how often do, will the church come through for you? What do they do? They tell you to pray. Good. Well, good you point. would think that they would just pray and leave you out of it. <laughs> you know, cut out the middleman, <laughs> as it were. And, and if prayer worked, then that's what they would do. But they don't do that. They come to you and ask for money. 
you know, that's a fantastic point. If you tie 10% to a church and then there's a point in time where yeah, you yeah. need money and that mm-hmm. money is not available to you, it's like, right. this is a weird insurance program. Especially when the church into. has hundreds of members, 10% yeah. from every person in the, in the thing means, means that he's getting 20 times your pay, you yep. know, just for 200 people. For one day a week of work. Right. That's right. <laughs> for selling false hope for essentially. <laughs> selling uh, a product that doesn't exist. Yeah, here's some snake oil. Uh, 10% of your paycheck, please. Everybody, mm-hmm. everybody, everybody in this room. Uh, George Brown, what's up? Well, I, I understand that the Mormon church is an exception to that, and um, they collect a tremendous amount of money from people this way, but they do give back when there's hardship in the community. And um, well, you only know, the, to Mormon communities, right? It's not like they care. I'm assuming, our... I'm assuming, I'm assuming. So, well, I don't, I'm I don't hold them at fault for that. I mean, but I mean, like out into the 19 and until like the recent 1970s, that was only just white people, <laughs> mostly white men. Probably. Right. So it's yeah. just like, hey, we're collecting money for just white people. It's like, right. you uh, is, is this a really is this a charity? No, no, you generalize. Try you're generalizing. You ah, know? really? How? In which way? <laughs> yeah. There's black because, and white documentation for that. Legal. Yeah, yeah it's, it's <laughs> pretty specific. Yeah. yeah. They, I, they, not like I'm making. We don't know about this racism part of of the Mormons today. You couldn't be a Mormon if you're black and you, if you're in the 1980s. How about that? Like that's no, you could, you could, but you'd be a second class Mormon, I think. <laughs> and I'm generalized. I am generalizing based okay. upon conversation. Okay. I had conversations with people in Utah when I got stuck in Salt Lake city ah. and had to talk with people riding the bus. I yeah. talk with people all the time. So, you know, I, I'm 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 saying this based on my conversations with people. Sure. Way back in the 1970s on buses in in Salt Lake City, you know. Though not to get into generalization, we are talking about um the idea of God needing money. Even as a second class Mormon, I imagine they'd happily take my money, but as far yes. as me being able to be treated like a first class person who'll get a planet after he dies, uh I well, have I have some problems. I'd have some problems. The reciprocation factor is a problem. And it sounds, I, I think, Larry, I think, Larry, you had the point right on the head. God doesn't need your money. People need your money. And God, for the most part, as far as we can tell, doesn't seem to, to factor into existence. Right. Mm-hmm. And if that's the case, then we just have people asking for money. Um, I did want to get, Dred, did you have anything you want to weigh on this as well? Uh, well, Nothing, tr- nothing uh, tremendous or insightful. Nothing tremendous or insightful. So, how much, <laughs> how much money does the flying spaghetti monster want from us? Well, well, we do pass around uh, uh, the holy colander, uh, but that's at our, our past stats, and th- and that's just to help uh, pay for the food that uh, that uh, we we share. So, and I'll throw and, this and out. Of course, and of course, every year we have to file our, our paperwork with the government. Mm. Um, so it's good to um, just have a little bit of money in the kitty so sure. we can cover our just our basic expenses. And are you guys a tax-free organization? Like, or- we're not yet. No, we are reg- we're a registered society, but we're not yet tax-free. So in my head, you collect money. Do keep doing what you want, because if... If if the government is charging for you guys to collect with each other and stuff like that, and there's a yeah. tax on that, yes, I can see a need for that. You're like the Boy Scouts, you're like the Girl Scouts, sell your cookies, make your make your dimes, right? But yeah, like yeah. the churches who have a tax credit and the tithing on top of it, and you need yeah. my money, where yeah. what expenses? What's your overhead? 
what do you yeah. what product are you selling? What are you coming out with? What's the what's yeah. the question here? I have so many questions. Well, one one thing I can add to this is is a uh, something in in our community um, that I I've seen, and of course it's it's something generally practiced uh, throughout Canada. Is that uh, like the province of British Columbia allows registered uh, churches to the there's a, a statutory um, uh, relaxation of property taxes. Okay. So, it, but it only covers up to about ninety percent. So the churches in our local community then have to apply to city hall to get relief of that remaining ten percent. So mm. that's how they get a hundred percent relief on their property taxes. Is not only dipping into the provincial coffer, but also on a municipal level. Wow. So. Yeah, no, it's 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 pretty glaring, and uh, it's something certainly uh, between our church and uh, uh, the humanists. Uh, we're just trying to get that as another thing to eliminate the crossover between church and state. And and I guess you would think that if there was an all powerful God that created the universe and was on their side, why do they have to steal money from the coffers of taxpaying citizens who might be secular or might be different religions? Exactly to to afford their worship practices why can't the god just provide with them with what they need yeah. as they need it if anything wouldn't that be an amazing piece of evidence for yeah. the fact that that god does exist it's like hey we're christians oh all this money came from nowhere fantastic yeah, yeah the ira would irs would be interested in that too well the irs you know, would become christians <laughs> overnight they'd be like oh this is the one no i mean <laughs> that money came from where it's like well, one thing god? one thing that, one thing us. that i have one thing that I have a a, a, a a problem with is that, you know, if 25% of the people in our community are Christians, mm. 100% are paying for their tax relief. Right. So, you know, if there's, and if you're a Muslim and there's no Muslim churches in our, or Muslim, whatever they call them in our, in our community, awesome. the Muslims are paying <laughs> for the Christian churches right. or the Buddhists are paying the Hindus, for the Muslim yeah. churches. You know what I mean? Like sure. it's just like patently, patently unfair. So, yeah. Yeah. I like well, that one. That's why the government should not be in the business of yeah, taking your money right. and giving it they to religion. The religion business. Right. But they do. Right. I mean, ever since George Bush's faith-based initiatives, which has been what, 10 years now. In no, effect, are you kidding me? They're still this doing is- it. This has been around since uh, Plantagenet dynasty. Like, 12 years, something like, like that. Yeah, and yeah it like was medieval age. Right. Like, it was well, just an executive order, which can be remit or rescinded at any, any new president comes in, can rescind it, but they haven't. Mm-hmm. All right. Positive notes now. Positive notes now, because we got to get Larry happy now. All right. I'm not, I refuse. <laughs> there we go. There we go. I'm thinking um, why God needs our money is a a fascinating thing because i and i never heard this argument but i'm trying to devil's advocate here but let's say the we're not giving him money because god made money he made people what god really wants is the sign of sacrifice because there's like probably a story in the bible where it's like hey there's a lady who has one gold coin and there's like a guy who has a hundred gold coins but if the guy and the lady both give up one coin. It's the lady giving up everything she has for her sign of for her belief in God. Whereas the man's only giving up like one coin of the hundreds that he has. And yeah, they're both paying the same amount, but it means different. And what God really appreciates 
is that sacrifice. And so what really matters is the fact that you're sacrificing and showing uh, you're paying homage to your Lord rather than the actual monetary value. So the money doesn't matter at all. It's all about the sacrifice. Larry, what do you think about that? Now, I don't I really I just, know what to think about it. I, I think mean, I just I think I just converted Larry. Look at that. No, like, no. Uh, Hallelujah. Re- Reverend Wells, I don't really know <laughs> what to think about it. I mean, sure, uh, Christianity is all about sacrifice. I mean, look at the sacrifice, theoretically, that Jesus made. Sure, um, yeah. But I, I don't think that uh, it's valid. You gotcha. know, you know. Dread, what's up? Hand raise, what's up? Well, you know, uh, you said about sacrifice. It's hmm. also about obeisance, right? Oh, you said French words in an American show. What's up? Well, you know, um, uh, Sacre bleu. Uh, well, obeisance, right? Like uh, obedience. Um, ah, okay. Giving, your, giving over yeah. to the higher authority um, based on the demands that they make of you, like the temp, right. like you know that ten percent tithing thing. Yeah, it, it's not. It's not a matter of. You see, that is not a matter of the woman with the one coin and the guy with a hundred coins, it's 10%. Right. And that's obeisance, right? Mm. The thing is, it wouldn't have been cool if she gave him licorice. Like it had to be gold coins. <laughs> it's weird that God only accepts the, the, the sacrifice of cash money. That's right. Where I you know, bring so- my chicken eggs in. Yeah, it's just like, hey, listen, if you want chicken eggs, I got chicken well, in, eggs. In, like, the Old Testament, uh, in the Old Testament, the the I can't remember the book it's in, um, but they tell you specifically how to prepare particular meats if you're going to give it to the church, give it to the priests. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. So it can be other things besides money uh, in the Old Testament anyway. So uh, but, I, I and they're very problem. particular about it. Yeah. And so it I has have a very kosher. Yes. Yeah, no. kosher. Well, here's my thing with the weird idea of how it's explained in the Old Testament. And this might be a little tongue and cheeky for me but it's like make sure you sacrifice a goat and use the good barbecue sauce not that ranch dressing thing make sure you cook it all the way around nice now nah, good 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 god wants it that way okay now make sure you get some veggies onions none of that brussels sprouts like they're so specific with how to cook it that it seems like you're yeah. just making food for some guy that works at a church yeah. than it is for god like the Has sacrifice a particular like- taste yeah. It's like get the best right. goat possible. Yeah. Good yeah. fat. Don't don't over whip the egg yolk and yeah. the hollandaise. And, sauce. and why do you have to bring it to the church in the first get the place? Good cranberry sauce. You know? the, the, the little pieces of fruit in there. Don't give yeah. me the cheap one dollar stuff. Come on, sure. bust yeah. out a little bit. And I'm like, you know, for a guy who is talking about what God wants, does it really matter how you sacrifice the goat? As long as it's a goat, right? Like, like and at the end of the day, why does God want goats? And why do you have to bring it to the to the church? I mean, or the temple? You know, right. that's happened to be where the priests are, but I mean, <laughs> God, you could give it to God anywhere. Right. And yeah. all these things are edible things. Like these are all mm-hmm. things that like you couldn't buy because they didn't have like forms of money like that back then they were bartering mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So like, it seems like you're just giving food coats, pelts and stuff like that. Things of value that are consumables to people who don't generate any meaningful things. Right. They don't generate any, um, what is it? any produce any uh any yeah. vegetables any uh, they're not harvesting anything they're, they're not harvesting and yet they're, they're getting making grains. anything yeah uh, and, no and what really kills me is that on on facebook and stuff i hear religious people particularly preachers say that we atheists are the parasites on society 
right. when it's obviously the other way around. Uh, I know. I yeah. hate. I hate those kinds of hypocrisies, man. Mm-hmm. It really, really blows my mind. Um, listen, I have. This might be a bit of a tangent, but I, I am woefully aware that the, even when you know stuff, you can still learn stuff, right? And I have been. I've been wrong about a lot of things, but I always am eager to find out why I'm wrong and sure. I'm very grateful for the people to, to who have educated me, regardless of how old they are or what hobbies they're interested in. And I was really into disc golf. I still am. I got a bunch of discs and I want to know why they fly in the, the way that they do. Why do they generate lift? Why do they turn in certain directions? And it turns out that I thought that it was based on something called the Bernoulli's principle, which is like, hey, it's curved on the top. So less air pressure on the top that generates lift. And that's why it goes, you know, more towards up. And, and that's why all these other dynamics of the disc happen. And, and you I found was, out it's God, right? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> almost, almost, almost. Because when I heard someone <laughs> tell me why a disc lifts and they're saying, no, it's gyroscopic uh, precession. And I'm like, what are you even talking about? Like, it's so simple. It's just air pressure. And I had to eat so much humble pie in the idea of figuring out oh, I don't even have the models of understanding how the world works. I had to like sit, I I had basic, when I was in school, I had basic elementary models for how physics work. And I didn't realize that they were so simplified that some of them were actually just completely wrong. And for the people who did go into physics as a career or as as a study or discipline, they, they had to go through the trouble of disengaging all those terrible models and pick up some new good ones. And it isn't just in disc golf that i have this problem it's with my appreciation for like religions it's my appreciation for like gods because every single time i realize i have so much more to learn i have to completely rechange my model why can't christians do the same thing too i don't i don't mean to put them on a play or uh, on that on the target but like when you realize when you look at the world and you're like this guy's probably just stealing money from me this guy i'm probably just cooking goats for him why can't we just understand that as the model and just move forward? And then someone presents like, no, 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 it's not like that. It's because of sacrifice. It's because of blah, blah, blah. It's like, I hear what you're saying, and I'm trying not to have a lot of ego here, but it still seems at the end of the day that if you were to have a higher appreciation for where your stuff goes, where it's being tracked, and what the people are interested in, it seems to be the case that like religions are motivated by um, wealth of individuals that they can piecemeal off of as a group and not offering anything back in return. And I wish that people who were victims of this had the same appreciation for I did when I realized I was wrong about something I cared a lot about and was willing to change my mind and see how things actually were. Because I feel like there's an ingrained interest in people who are religious not to do that. And I, I, it, it tears me apart why they don't. It just really does. Like, guys, you're being, can I say, you're being hoodwinked, hoodwinked, right? Hoodwinked, yeah. Right. Recognize right. it for what it is. Like this whole organization is corrupt to the core. Even though they smile and play great music, it's not in your interest. And there's so much better stuff you can do with that money, so much better stuff you can do with charity. Sure. Mm-hmm. If you're just willing to like look at the fact that the money you're putting into here is going nowhere. It's going literally nowhere and to no one except for the, the one guy who's asking for it. Mm-hmm. Catch that for what it is. George Brown, I'm sorry. That was a bit of tangent. I apologize, guys. <laughs> is is this a case of of the acceptance of do as I say, not what I do? Yeah, I hate that too. I'm, I mean, is is that an acceptance? Does it does this come with the territory? Remember, I don't know because I wasn't no. raised. I'm you asking. say that you say that, George, but like 
I think that's it on the nail on the head. It's just hypocrisy at the end of the day. It's right. give to me. And when you have problems, I'll pray for you. And right. I'm like, that mm-hmm. is such the most imbalanced, you know, degree of reciprocation. I just wish it was just Double so standard. Yes. I wish we would generalize religious people <laughs> as like all the same thing. Because here's a, here's the silly thing. If you talk to a Christian about like some cult that did the exact same thing, you say, hey, there's this cult that, that, that's all about human sacrifice and like talking animals and witches and stuff like that. And they have books that are outdated that like ban homosexuality and they're just really terrible. And they want all your money. They want 10% of your money, whatever they was it's like. That sounds crazy. It's like, yeah, but that's Christianity too. It's just like, oh, but no, my thing's different. It's like, no, yeah, yeah. it's not. all the same. Yeah. It's the same game every single time. It's crazy. Yeah. It's just people in different hats and big hats telling you not to eat bacon. That's your, <laughs> that's your, um, by the way, guys, that is the, the red flag. Whenever you're in a group and there's someone in a big hat that tells you not to eat bacon, congratulations, you're in a cult. I don't care if you call it a religion. <laughs> I don't care if you were raised that way. That is, yeah. you're in a cult. Congratulations. Yeah, but what about the bacon cult? <laughs> uh dread pirate is there a um is there an evil maniacal version of pasifarian that's like all keto like that's all like flying bacon monsters or anything like that no no we don't have a you know sort of the an- the anti fsm um, <laughs> the only the only thing uh that we have you know in terms of you know any kind of a punishment or a hell Mm. Is that um, you know the the beer the beer volcano spews uh, stale beer, uh-huh. and uh, and the strippers uh, have STDs and oh, no. <laughs> otherwise heaven is without those things you know they the the beer is good and and the strippers are you know all good checked out sure. <laughs> not bad COVID, COVID free what Drepar, what would you recommend we check out before the end of next week um, well I. Well, maybe we, you know, maybe next week we can t- uh, touch on um, uh, the Bart Ehrman uh, webinar I sat in last Sunday, okay, which was about the Christmas story, and and that would actually be good because it'd be fairly close to Christmas then. Nice. Um, but uh, other than that, uh, naturally, the last couple of weeks I haven't been able to uh, live stream, but generally I do on Mind Pirate M I N D P Y R A T E. Uh, that's my YouTube channel. I am still two people away from a hundred. Subscribe to this man's channel, people. No, Let's man. go to this YouTube thing and subscribe. It's been a year thing. What? <laughs> that's right. You're one red I'll get off your back about it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Don't make this Canadian upset. Though, by the way, guys, speaking of upset, uh, a lot of atheists on this show for today, um, the war on Christmas is beginning. So just make sure you sharpen your pitchforks. <laughs> and, oh, my uh, God. That one. Oh, yeah, I know. It always shows up, but it's okay. I got a, I got a new ch- uh, pitchfork I'm working on. It's really great. George awesome. Brown, anything that you'd recommend that we check out before next week? I can't think of anything right now. Totally fine. You have a song? Ask, me next, we check ask out? me next week. Tell me a song I should listen to, George Brown. What's a song I should check out before next week? Okay. Uh, I don't have a song, but I have a short story that won't leave me alone. Okay. And the name of the story is Horse of Air. And the, the author is Gardner Dozois. He was a science fiction anthologist, okay. very well known as an anthologizer, but he also wrote himself. This is a story that just boggles my mind. I cannot um, explain Horse it. Of air? 
Horse, horse of, of Air by Gardner Dozois, though. There, I'm sure there there's not a lot of people who wrote a book like that, so I, I'm sure Horse of this Air. This is a, sh- it's a short story. It's been, it's been published it. a few times, and it is um, it is an absolute mind bender. I have read it six times already, and I'm going to read it some more. You know? Okay. Check wow. it out. Okay, yeah. cool. Uh, let's see. Uh, for me, I'm going to enjoy this weekend. I hope you guys enjoy this weekend, too. Go to Dread Mind Pirates channel. That's M-I-N-D-P-Y-R-A-T-E. And subscribe to his channel, please. Yes, please. Just needs two more, and you'll feel so happy. What, <laughs> what better Christmas gift than that? That's right. So this is on, this is on oh, YouTube, oh, right? And, and by the way, by the way, yeah. when I do get 100, I am going to be uh, uh, hosting my first show for my studio oh uh, which is going to go into the uh, what the higgs boson is um because that's my name that's my namesake of course so uh, i'm going to talk about uh all things higgs um so yes 100th 100th uh, subscriber will lead to that show i dig it (laughs) (laughs) you dig it okay cool and larry rhodes anything that we should check out well yeah i'd like to uh go into the clergy project for just a minute. Um, If you are a preacher, imam, um, priest or whatever, but no longer believe in religious, uh, no longer have uh, belief in religious claims, then check out the clergy project. You can find it at clergyproject.org. Now, the the problem with clergy is that if you you lose your faith, you can also lose your job, your family, your friends, and, and your income, maybe even your home. Uh, So what the clergy project does is if you no longer believe, they will take you and use the skills that you have to train you for secular work, uh, secular job training, as it were, and give you fellowship while you're doing it. They will allow you to have maybe six or eight weeks of training to get you ready for a life um, outside of the church. So go to check uh, clergyproject.org and uh, find some fellow clergymen Mm -hmm. that no longer believe. Right. And you can do it anonymously, too. Right? You certainly can. Hey, um, wow. Yep. I was just going to say the clergy project, it teaches ex-clergy how to operate cranes instead of skylucks. Oh. <laughs> good one. Good one. Good one. Larry, I, you know, I have a lot of complaints about atheism because everybody complaints. knows it's all about, you know, making bad spaghetti and 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 having you know terrible throwing trash on the road and and only having one headphone we in pick ear. it That's up what actually it's all about yeah. and i feel like i'm an expert on it so i maybe we should just change our names to something else what do you think yeah, no okay. <laughs> <laughs> atheism what, make, is a what makes you the expert what makes yeah. you the expert i mean what is atheism what's well, all about well it's 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 a perfectly apt uh, appellation as it were uh mm-hmm. it describes what we are we don't believe in god and that's what atheism means and oh. we're, I'm, we're i am not going to stop using the word stop. simply because it's a it, it offends people who have made it a curse in the first place well who do you so, think no. you are are you some expert did you write a book on atheism i did write a book on atheism <laughs> <laughs> what's it all about larry <laughs> that's this is what it's ta- what it's called the title is atheism what's it all about it's available on amazon uh, you can find uh, a lot of videos and um, some of the cartoon videos that I've put together uh, about atheism on YouTube channel. Uh, just search for Daughter Five or Larry Rhodes. 
my own content is on digitalfreethought.com. Be sure to click on the blog button for our radio show archives, a lot of atheist songs that we have there, and many articles on the subject. If you have questions for the show, you can send them to askanatheist.knoxvilleatheists.org or letschatse at gmail.com, and we'll answer them on future shows. Um, thank you for joining us on the Digital Freethought Radio Hour. Remember, you can find the show on Apple, iTunes, Pocket Casts, Amazon, or podcasts everywhere. Just search for Digital Freethought Radio Hour. If you're watching this on YouTube, be sure to like and subscribe. Remember, everybody is going everybody to somebody, is going else's, to somebody hell. else's hell. That's right. The time to worry about it is when they prove that heavens and hells and souls are real. Until then, don't sweat it. Enjoy your life. And we'll see you next week. Say bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Bye, man. Bye, bye. <laughs> bye, guys.